As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Your relationship with money matters. I'm Michelle Perkins, and this is the Money & You podcast, where I will be breaking down your relationship with money, offering tough love money tips, and a money dating plan that will focus on lifting the barriers to success to help pave the way for better money practices and increased wealth. It's time to take control to live a limit-free life. It starts today. Hello and welcome to The Money and You Show. I'm Michelle Perkins, your host. I have a great show for you today. Super, super excited to have um, a couple of gentlemen on the show today who are gonna talk about many things money, including debt, which is an important topic for a lot of people. So I'm gonna just jump right in. I'm not even going to chit chat at all here and introduce you to the Debt Free Guys. And let me read a little of their bio for you. With their writing and speaking for DebtFreeGuys.com and their Queer Money podcast, David Otten and John Schneider help queer people and allies live fabulously, not fabulously broke. As certified LGBT, uh, LGBTBEs, they represent the queer voice in both personal and business finances. David and John's work has appeared in Forbes, Yahoo Finance, CNBC, ABC News, Good Morning America, to name a few. They've partnered with some of the best financial services, including Mass Mutual, Prudential, Capital One, and Chase. Additionally, with LGBTQ plus organizations like The Trevor Project, Callan Lord, the William Way Foundation, One Colorado, and numerous uh, LGBTQ plus centers across the country. Their goal is to connect LGBTQ plus people with the information and services they need so that they and the queer community can do more and be more. Welcome. So happy thank to you have so you here. Yeah, thank We're you. excited to be it's here. Thank to be you. Here. Yeah, so this is going to be a great conversation because, um, you know, it's, it's a different conversation. It's a conversation that a lot of people probably haven't had or heard. And so I'm just going to jump in um, right from the start to talk about what I mean, money is you know universal. We're all we're all using it and earning it and whatever. Um, what makes it different? What makes money different for the LGBT community? Sure, absolutely. Thank you. So, David and I like to say that eighty percent of money is the same for everyone across the board. It's very transactional. Uh, the laws of economics work the same for everyone, regardless of of, of your background, sexual orientation, gender identity, what have you. But there's that 20% that is contingent 
based on your background, your sexual orientation, your race, your creed, uh, your history. And it's that 20%, much like the Pareto principle, that has an exponential effect on the entire 100%. Mm. And for example, just some statistics for you, over 40% of homeless youth identify as LGBTQ. Mm. So by the time that they reach adulthood, not only have they probably not had financial support from their mom and dad or anyone in their family, they've also not seen their parents interact with money in a healthy way. Um, they probably had to uh, uh, do some things that not, not many of us would be uncomfortable with doing just so that they could survive. And sometimes this influences our behaviors with money as we get into adulthood. Likewise, there's a sexual orientation and gender identity wage gap similar to the gender wage gap for women. So it makes it harder for LGBTQ people to reach financial independence because we're not getting paid commensurate with the work that we're doing similar to what the way that women, women struggle with finances or women struggle with income as well. Um, so it's, it's, that's what we like to say. That that's what makes finance different for various communities, specifically in our case, the LGBTQ community. Yeah, I love that. Thank you. Um, that that twenty percent. You're right. It it's it it's different, and it's it it's um, the way. Uh, I mean, there are a number of people who'll be able to relate to the challenges that you're talking about, and so I think that it's really good to realize that that anything that we we all use, whether it's you know, or we all partake of whether it's food or money or whatever there are big differences out there in in how people feel about them and and how they interact with them so so let's jump in why don't you go ahead and just talk a bit about what that looks like you know how people are relating to money differently sure i think one of the big things is what john and i like to refer to as legacy financial exclusion uh, this is um, something that happens to um, a variety of communities, but it's very prevalent in the LGBT community. And legacy financial exclusion basically means that over your lifetime, there are oftentimes small or sometimes medium-sized financial impacts that can hold you back. So John mentioned the number of LGBT youth who are leaving a home where maybe they don't feel safe or have been kicked out of the home, mm -hmm. that can start you off in that kind of way. But let's say, for example, um, you don't have to leave your home, but your family is not supportive of you. They don't support you financially. So they may support uh, a sibling going off to college, but they don't support you. So you take on loans that your sibling might not have to. Or let's say, for example, uh, you leave home and your parents have helped a sibling with uh, whether that's um, purchasing a first car or helping you with things that you would put in your first apartment, maybe helping for a down payment on an apartment, those kinds of small things that can really add up over time that kind of holds you back. And sometimes you're having to learn how to make the financial decisions yourself rather than the guidance from a family member or your parents specifically. Um, I can think of some other examples of legacy financial exclusion. One that we like to talk about that can have a huge impact on retirement. 
Um, marriage equality brought about the ability for, for same-sex couples to get married, but there are still massive numbers of families out there who are not supporting or helping their children, their LGBT children, when they decide to get married. So let's just take, for example, a same-sex couple who are in their mid-30s. They decide to get married, and they have to pay for the wedding themselves. Average wedding Twenty, let's just say $25,000, they have to take that money out of their own pocket. $25,000 taken out of your own pocket uh, when you're in your, in your mid-30s ha- um, that could be put to retirement could end up co- uh, costing you anywhere to th- from between three dollars and $400,000 in retirement money at the end uh, once you're done working. So not only is it a small thing to not support your lifestyle, but also not support you financially, that is where you see this kind of over time can have a very large impact. And it's part of the reason why so many people in the LGBT community are reaching retirement age today and are struggling financially. There's just these compounding little things that happen throughout their lives that are, in essence, kind of building up financial barriers that make it harder to reach either financial independence or sometimes financial sustainability. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of queer folks who are relying on services and organizations to fund the things that they need in their daily lives, such as food or shelter, things that many of us take for granted because we have seen, we've had that throughout our whole lives. Right. Right. And you're not talking about hypotheticals. You're talking about, you know, you're you're seeing people in and working with people who are in these situations. Is that correct? Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Very interesting. And, and probably, you know, it would apply to to others as well who don't get the kind of help that a lot of people I'm, I, as you're speaking, I'm thinking, you know, I have a 21 and a 24 year old and how much help they get from from me and my husband. And, you know, it, it is a very, very interesting uh, topic. So, you know, so I'll just also throw out there that it doesn't also it doesn't always come from the family. Mm-hmm. I mean, you think about mm-hmm. Financial services organizations, uh, you know, we've been watching and been working in this field. We've worked in financial services uh, for most of our adult working lives, as well as we watch the financial services organizations out there. And over the time, that time period, we can only remember two national commercials that showed same-sex couples. Mm-hmm. Out of the thousands of commercials that are out there every year, we can only find two that have happened in like the last five years. Wow. And so not only is it maybe your family, but just the, the general financial services is not inclusive of LGBT folks. Um, the nice thing is we do see a march towards that, right? We saw, we've seen the effects of, of how financial services have uh, really kind of welcomed women into the investing world and into the money world, how they are a welcoming uh, other communities, such as the African-American community, the Asian community. We're seeing these kinds of communities that are being brought into and included, not only in the marketing material, but the education. Mm-hmm. And so that's one of our, the John and I are very passionate about it, encouraging and pushing the organizations that we work with to try to do more than just show up with a rainbow logo mm-hmm. in June for pride, but to actually help uh, what we say we exist 365 days a year, right? right. So um, it's about being present and being aware of the fact that our community does 
has been missing out on that kind of education and inclusion. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so what what do you tell people who maybe are in this situation where they will perhaps, you know, have some disadvantages in, in these ways? Yeah, I think the first thing is to acknowledge that those disadvantages do play a role, do have an effect on your life. And we, we need to accept that. With that, it does require us to be a little bit more vigilant with how we spend our money and how we utilize money. And so there you got all the, the all the money mindset that every adult brings with them to adulthood. But now it's just much more of a burden on LGBTQ people to figure out a way to overcome that. Um, so what we'd like to, we'd like to people to focus on the positive things first. And that number one recommendation by and large for most folks when we work with them is to figure out what matters most to you? What is, what is, if you were to architect the life that you wanted to live, your dream life, what would that look like? And then reverse engineer and figure out what kind of, what do I have to do with my finances today? What do I have to do with my money today? Even with what is little, little money I might have today, what do I have to do so I can build that life that I want? Because one of the, the challenges that our community has, aside from the fact that we have these disadvantages, is that there are very myopic stereotypes of what a what a good gay man is or what a the, the right lesbian woman or even the, the right the right trans person there and this comes from media it comes from history um it comes from uh marketing and collateral to the, our community from outside our community right. and so for example many gay men think that they need to dress well live well drink well travel well and have you know have the world's most perfect home and Oftentimes, we're spending a lot of money to, to sort of subsidize that kind of a lifestyle when, in fact, we can't afford it. And very often, we reach a stage in our lives when we look back and say, well, that, that type of life actually isn't providing me the satisfaction that I thought it was providing me or that I thought it would provide me. At the end of the day, all I'm doing is buying more and more stuff to sustain this lifestyle that I'm not actually even enjoying. Right. So what's, what's the point? As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. And that's when we go back to individuals and say, we'll figure out what it is that you want 
not what society tells you that you should want, or even not what the queer community sa says a perfect life for your specific gender identity or sexual orientation looks like. Figure out what it is for you and then architect your life around that. Mm. Oh, I love that. Yeah, so, so important. And, um, and you know, you're bringing up the money mindset piece, which is something that I just think is so important because people don't necessarily know that that's factoring into their decision making. And so those underlying beliefs about what who you should be and how your life should look is so, so very important. And how to shift that belief to some, I mean, what is another belief that people can have um, and still feel successful in their identity? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I think that one of the messages that John and I also try to convey, not only to our community, but to all folks who feel like for whatever reason that they've they've had a disadvantage in life, uh, especially when it comes to their finances, is to remember that that the, you have the choice. Uh, you have the choice and you can't always progress. The things that you, the, the opportunities that you have in front of you can build upon each other. Um, it can be very difficult to get out of the mindset of um, I'm not good enough or I'll never be successful or um, I am struggling and this is the this is the way it will always be for me. It can be very hard to break away from that. Right. And so we encourage folks to just take tiny steps. Start with just something small. And when it comes to the mindset, um, it, it's important to kind of reflect back on your life and ask yourself, how did I develop these kinds of feelings about money? Why do I feel like uh, that I'm not that I'm not ever going to be able to earn enough money? Or why do I potentially have a scarcity mindset? Uh, why is that the case? Because if you can acknowledge where it came from, then oftentimes you can understand the circumstances that created that and why it may be wrong, why that mindset isn't the appropriate mindset, and that there is an opportunity for you and every single other person to have an abundant at least sustainable, but definitely an abundant life when it comes to your finances. Yeah, thank you. That was that was really profound. I really, um, I love the the positive spin that you can put on this, and that you do have choice, and that you can, you know, uh, make it what what it needs to be for you. I mean, I think yeah. that that individuality and and authenticity is is so important for everybody, really. Um, but that was a really good um, description of how people's mindset might go. So do you have some personal stories about how you were able to change your money situation? And <laughs> Sorry. Um, you know, any, anything there that brought you to some of this work? I think that's our entire platform. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So about a year and a half after David and I got together, we finally came out to each other about our finances. And we confessed that despite um, spending our entire working life in financial services, helping other people with their money, uh, we actually had $51,000 in credit card debt ourselves. Um, and this kind of sort of opened up a, a long discussion for us to figure out well, how did we have all this theoretical knowledge and we were applying it to other people's lives, but we weren't able to apply it to our lives. Um, and quite honestly, this discussion took several years for us to get to, to, to the root problem. But we realized that 
we were spending money so that we could make up for our past mm -hmm. and to make sure that we fit in in our present you know many of us lgbtq people get into adulthood and we had years of institutions schools friends family media telling us that who we are is fundamentally wrong mm -hmm. and so by the time we get into adulthood we feel like we need to spend money to sort of make ourselves feel better if for only if for no other reason than to prove to the bully in high school that hey i was a valid valid worthwhile person mm -hmm. but then the, the flip side of that is we finally many times get into meet our get into our queer community we make our lgbtq friends and we feel like that if we don't live up to a certain expectation that will then again be ostracized from another another community so we have to spend in order to keep up with our friends right we're keeping up right. with mr and mr jones just like the general population is keeping up with mr and mrs jones right mm -hmm. and so david and i had to figure out like wh why were we having all these problems why did we feel like money was going to be the solution to all these challenges why did we think that having to live a certain type of life was going to make all that pain go away. Um, and at the end of the day, it never was going to do any of those things. Um, it took a lot of introspection for us to figure out who it is that we actually are, what it is that we're trying to satiate and who, to, what kind of life we wanted to live. Wow. I'm also going to add on yeah. top of that, that it's not, this is not an exclusive to the LGBTQ community. We have helped and worked with folks who are both in and outside of the LGBT community who have talked to us about their feelings about money and themselves and the, the, this, the way that society is structured today, right? You are a successful person if you show that you're successful, mm -hmm. right? It, it's a kind of... Um, it's kind of odd that uh, we feel this way, that we feel compelled to prove to everyone by our things, by the way we look, that we are successful. And it's, it's quite interesting with what recently came out about Facebook and use, people who use the Instagram platform and how they talked about how this is impacting young girls and kind of taking them down a, a negative mental yeah. health uh, path. And the reality is, is that social media uh, communities in general, they're all looking to, pr to provide you the reinforcement that you're a good person. But oftentimes what they want is they want something in return, mm -hmm. right? So the platforms want to sell you a product, the community, oftentimes they want that acceptance themselves. So it's a it's oftentimes uh, uh, this catch 22 that happens between individuals and wanting to please everyone else rather than figuring out how to please themselves inside. Yeah, it's a huge topic. Um, that is very interesting and a very important thing, I think, for people to look at themselves and how they're spending in particular and just see what is underneath that. And uh, yeah, that's, that's great. That's great that you brought up social media too. Um, it's really playing a big part in all the things that you're talking about. So. Yeah. When David, when we finally confessed that we had $51,000 in credit card debt, David did uh, a spending analysis of all of our expenses for the previous year. He itemized every single penny that we spent. And on paper, we looked like rock stars. We were going to the clubs, buying designer clothing, having fancy dinners, having great travel. But we both asked ourselves, was this providing us the lifestyle that on paper it looks like it was? Was it providing the satisfaction that it should be providing? Mm -hmm. And it wasn't. 
And so the question was, well, if, if this isn't providing us the satisfaction that, that it should be, at least according to commercials and television yeah. and movies, then, then, then what would? And we realized that it wasn't all that fancy stuff. We didn't need the designer clothing. We didn't need to keep spending money that we didn't have. Uh, we were, fundamentally were very simple people. We wanted to be able um, to spend more time together. We did want to save for a comfortable retirement. So we did learn something from all those years in financial <laughs> services. Um, we did want to travel more, but we wanted to do so in a way that we wouldn't come back with a credit card hangover. Mm-hmm. And then ultimately we wanted to be able to give back to our queer community where uh, up until that point, every time we did give to our community, we were actually penalizing ourselves financially. So net net wasn't win for the community. It just made ourselves feel and look better, um, but it was actually helping the community as a whole. Right, right. Oh, that's that's great. So when you found, you know, when you had the discussion and and realized the debt situation, um, can you take us kind of through the decision making there on what you were going to do and and a little about how you did it? Because that's a significant amount. And obviously you had to change a few things to pay that off and, and do things differently. So you didn't just get right back in that same situation. Right. I, I think that after doing this spending analysis, uh, John and I really kind of it opened our eyes to how we were spending our money. And we we kind of basically asked the question, why are we spending so much money but never feeling like we are truly happy? And so then it, then the question was, well, what will make us happy? What kind of lifestyle do we need to live? Do we want to live that brings us not the momentary weekend happiness, the vacation happiness. What is the kind of the happiness that we can build upon and have throughout our lives? And that was kind of when we dove into this idea of what are our hopes and dreams and how do we implement a life that allows us to, to achieve that? And that's the, the, the kind of the factors that John talked about. So once we got crystal clear on what it was that we wanted, then we started to say, okay, well, maybe spending $200 on a happy hour, because that's really what happened, right? We go out for the happy hour, planning on going out for an hour and after work, but then a couple of drinks turned into appetizers, turned into (laughs) dinner, turned into a bottle of wine, you know, it just kind of made it all of a sudden became a whole night, and do that weekend after weekend. And you realize that we were spending so much money on on those kinds of things. And so it really came down to how do we adjust our lifestyle to that level of happiness that we really wanted to achieve? And we knew that getting on a path to paying off our debt and watching our debt go down was exciting for us. Building out that lifestyle, we knew that we didn't need to be going out to breakfast and lunch every day for work. We knew that we could take uh, food with us and that would help reduce our expenses and became almost a game for us to mm-hmm. want to see how could we lower our expenses? How could we uh, substitute the things that we enjoyed doing uh, that cost us a lot of money for things that we enjoyed doing that allowed us to, to spend less money and send that money to paying off our credit card debt? And it kind of just built, uh, we built this kind of structured lifestyle of understanding where our money was coming from, when it was coming in, where it needed to go first when it came in, and then we could have the fun after that with that money. And so we kind of really broke our lifestyle down into those kinds of kinds of pieces. What was the necessary? What was the fun? And then we spent our money accordingly. And for us, 
there was more at that time, there was more fun in focusing on paying our debt off than there was in the lifestyle fund that we had been spending so much money on. And I'll also kind of throw out there. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. You know, you, you hear us talk about our lifestyle, but the reality is, is that everyone kind of faces this. It doesn't need to be that you're spending money on vacations and uh, nice dinners and expensive wine. It could be that you're spending a lot of money sending your kids to birthday parties or having these fabulous birthday parties for your kids because you feel like you need to tell the neighborhood or your neighbors or your the parents of your kids' friends that you are the best parent in the world. Mm-hmm. Or maybe you need to have the nicest car in the in the uh, in the cul-de-sac, right? <laughs> you feel this this need to compete, to be at this level of, uh, of okay, I'm a good person. I'm a successful person because I have all those things. It just may look slightly different for you than it did for us. Yeah, this is great. And and I on several shows now, I've brought, I'm super fascinated by this whole idea of happiness. And, you know, so I brought up this study on uh, happiness and whether money makes you happy a number of times now, but I'm bringing it up again. But um, but really interesting just to see how you know obviously it being in struggle is is difficult. So you need to get right. to some financial point where you know you're comfortable enough. But what I've been reading is that right around ninety five thousand dollars, you know, you get to that, and then above that, yes, you can do more things. You can go on more trips, and that's fun and all that. But the the your true happiness does not continue to go up incrementally along with with the dollars. So I just find it to be just a great discussion to have because it's a myth out there, you know, and I hear it all the time. Well, as soon as I'm making this or as soon as my business gets to this point, you know, then I'll be happy. And, you know, you hear it. And and now that I have a bigger understanding of exactly what you're talking about, I, I, you know, I never buy into it. And I think they're just going to work and work and work and get to a point where they're they're still missing whatever it is that they need. So, yeah, but it's a bill of goods. We've all been sold since, you know, for now, you know, those of us who are alive in this generation since we were born, right. Cause you watch TV and it's always, well, if you buy the next thing that they're advertising, you'll, you'll be that much happier. Right. (laughs) It's, and it's just never enough. And sometimes we just look back and uh, the way we were spending and we're like, 
we're so glad that we had this prescient moment because we could we could be in you know three hundred thousand dollars worth of credit card debt today and no happier than we were at that particular time. Right. Now we don't have the debt. We don't have the designer clothing either. We're more t-shirt and jeans kind of people these days, but we're much more financially secure. We can spend all of our time together, go, pretty much going and doing whatever we want to do. Uh, and we're, we're, we're leading much more happy, much happier and more fulfilled lives yeah. than uh, you know, anything we were doing you know, back then. And I think most people are afraid to let go um, and give themselves the opportunity to actually have less um, because um, it's just not the way that we're conditioned anymore in this That's country. That's right. Yeah, yeah, so fascinating. And of course, happiness, the kind of happiness you're talking about is a more, you know, long-lasting, sustainable kind of, I mean, you know, of course, it, it, you know, when you buy the the new purse, I mean, there is that moment of joy when <laughs> you get it, but, but you're talking about a different type of um, happiness, really. Yeah, exactly. But talking yeah. about the, the, the purse is, uh, brings up a point that David and I bring up a lot called the debt depression spiral. <laughs> That you articulate better than I do. <laughs> yeah. So oftentimes when we don't feel we're in a, in a situation, whether it's either momentary or maybe a longer term, we don't feel good about ourselves. We know intrinsically, we know that we want to make that go away. And one of the easiest ways to make that go away, especially because of the access to credit, is to go out and do some form of self or what we think is self-care, right? So we go out and we spend some money on dining out or spending time with our friends or getting our nails done or the new pair of shoes, you know, whatever it is, it makes us feel good in the moment, right? You get that dopamine rush right. of actually having spent some money and getting something that makes you feel good. But the problem is, is then a few weeks or a month later, in comes the credit card bill, right? And then you feel the same kind of depression over all over again. You, why can't I earn enough money to pay all my debt off? Why can't, why don't I make enough money to be able to have the lifestyle I want? You start to layer on these, I'm not successful. I'm not good enough. Why can't I do this? You start to feel bad again. And so then what do you do? You go out and sometimes it's so unconscious that mm -hmm. we do this. We unconsciously go out and spend some more money to make ourselves feel better. And it just continues to spiral and spiral. And oftentimes for folks, it's spiraling down into that deeper and deeper debt hole. Right, right. Yeah, and, and that's, a, that's a scary place to be. And it can grow very quickly. And so, um, you know, and I'm not a person who, you know, just universally hates debt. I, I think there are times when you want to borrow for things. And uh, so, you know, some people are very, very afraid of debt. I don't think I'm one of them, but it can quickly get out of control. And so right. managing it. And I just loved what you were saying about how, um, you know, taking care of your debt became just as fun as, you know, going out to happy hour. And I think that's a mindset shift that is really important because we, we immediately think, oh, going out is fun. Paying off debt is a giant drag. And it doesn't have to be that. It's, it's the, you know, the, the, this talk in your head and you can make that fun. And it, it is when you start. And I was going to ask you when you're talking about that. I mean, what about that is, you know, why is it exciting and fun? Because there's a why underneath there that suddenly it becomes fun. Yeah. Well, go ahead. I'll just, I think that one of the, 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 
there were actually probably two things for us while we were paying off our debt. One, we gamified what we were trying to do, right? So there was the game of how much money can we save when we're doing this or that, right? How can we get that for the, the lowest price, you know, playing the coupon game or playing the discount game or whatever the case may be. But on the flip side, John and I never looked at our, our debt as inescapable. We looked at our debt as our net worth and that our net worth just needed to go in the right direction. It needed to go up and to the right instead of down and to the right, right? So when we started to look at going from $51,000 in debt and to $50,000 in debt to $49,000 in debt, we were making progress financially. Mm -hmm. And a lot of folks talk this game of making more money, make more money. The reason you want to make more money is because you're going to get ahead financially. For us, going from $51,000 to $50,000 in debt was us getting ahead financially. So we were able to celebrate the fact that we were moving ahead. Instead of saying, oh, well, we still have $50,000 in debt. <laughs> We made the, the mental shift of we are making progress. Let's celebrate the progress that we're making. That's fantastic. Yeah, that's exactly what people have to do. And just acknowledging your success along the way is, is important in anything. And we don't do that very often. We do stay focused on how much more there is to do. So that's great. That's a great tip. Any any other, um, you know, structures or anything that you put in place to help you to, you know, eliminate that debt? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> That's a softball. It wasn't just yeah. so much fun that you couldn't help yourself, but do it. No. So um, when we decided that we wanted to pay off our debt, we, we were looking at all of our finances and we were doing a lot of research at that time. The internet uh, wasn't as robust as it is today, but there was still information on there. Uh, we went to the library and got a lot of books instead. And um, we found out that there was the debt lasso, or I'm sorry, the debt um, snowball and the debt avalanche process for paying off debt. And one of the problems that we had with either of those methods is that we felt like it's, it's still going to take us anywhere from five to eight years with either method to pay off our debt. And neither of us had that kind of patience. We were <laughs> ready to see change yesterday. <laughs> so we looked at and, and thought, you know, what is the variable that's making it so challenging for us to pay off this debt even faster? And we realized it was the high credit card interest rate. So we thought, well, I wonder if you know the quality of your life is based on the quality of questions you ask, right? right. So we wondered how can we make the how can we make the interest rate go away? And we thought, well, at that point we didn't know. And we did a bunch of research. We re realized that there are a whole bunch of uh, zero zero percent interest rate credit card offers if you do a balance transfer. We thought, well, it, it, would that be a wise thing for us to do? We did some research and realized, yeah, of course, there's the, the anywhere from three to five percent transfer fee on whatever it is you transfer over. But if you at that time, especially there were uh, there were these offers are available for up to 18 and sometimes even 21 months. So if we could qualify for some of those longer term uh, zero interest rate transfer cards, um, we could actually pay off our debt more expeditiously because we had that much more money wasn't going to principal or that much more money wasn't going to interest 100% of it was going to principal. Um, and then uh, if we had to, we could transfer our card two or three times, even with the three to 5% uh, transfer fee, it would cost us a lot less than had we kept the credit cards as they were. So that was what we ended up doing for ourselves. Uh, we realized that negating that credit card interest rate was saving us $10,000 a year. That's how much we were paying wow. just to finance our debt at that particular 
point in time. So we kind of negated our, our credit card interest rate, gave ourselves a $10,000 raise, essentially, um, and that helped us pay off our credit card debt that much faster. And that's what we call now our debt debt lasso process, which is the process that we've, we use to pay off our debt in under three years and now have helped uh, folks pay off almost over $500,000 in the last couple of years. Wow, that's great. And um, so how, how do you help people? I mean, do people uh, work with you directly? How, how do you work with people on these things? Sure. John and I believe that there's kind of a gamut of, of the spectrum of the kinds of people that need help. We do think that there are some folks who just need a little bit of assistance. They need the kind of the structure in place. Uh, so we offer a free tool on our website right now uh, called the Seven Step Debt Slasher Guide. And that really helps explain to people the kind of the basics of the steps that we took. Um, but after that, we offer tools, uh, coaching in a group setting or one-on-one -on -one coaching, you know, because I, I do think that for a lot of folks, when it comes to debt, there's a level of shame. Mm -hmm. And maybe in some cases, the, they are hiding the debt that they have. So they do want some anonymity, or they want to work with someone one on one. Um, but what, what we do love is in our group setting, uh, the, the folks who kind of come to our group uh, calls, that is they call that our, that our money therapy. And we do that on a, a somewhat of a weekly basis to work with individuals in a group setting who are trying to pay their debt off to kind of keep them on track with not only the motivation, but the steps that they need to take to keep going. That's great. Yeah, wonderful. So it's the uh, seven step, seven steps to say it one more time seven it's the seven, <laughs> seven step credit card credit, debt slasher thank you the, the free checklist that, that we offer at our website at debtfreeguys.com debtfreeguys.com okay great and um let's talk just for a minute about financial independence and what that uh is to you guys and and how people can achieve that sure sure I think that, um, unfortunately, the, the world we live in today, a lot of folks confuse financial independence with being independently wealthy. Uh, when we hear of someone who's financially independent, we automatically think of the person who's got millions and millions of dollars just coming out of their ears, right? The, 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 uh, and I'm going to forget the, the, the duck uh, image in, from Disney. Oh, crap. <laughs> I, don't I don't know the name of the duck either. But uh, he would dive into his piles of cash, right? Yeah. And I think that's what we oftentimes think of when we think of somebody who's independently wealthy. And so that kind of has been overlaid in this idea of financial independence. But the reality is somebody who's financially independent is somebody who has enough money to cover their living expenses on a regular basis. So for example, someone who has assets, a small business, uh, investments that that then throws off enough income that allows them to cover things like their home, their car payments, their 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 food. It's not that you have tons of money and that you're out there just throwing money around, driving a Lamborghini, living in Beverly Hills. It's not that kind of lifestyle, because and I think the reason why we want to adjust that is because I think a lot of folks they think, well, I'll never get there. I'll never be able to do that. And the reality is, is that people who have kind of left that mindset behind have been able to achieve it. There are people who were able to achieve financial independence making $60,000 a year. Mm -hmm. And so they were able to accumulate the assets and put, put things in place that allowed them to get to a point where they say, I don't, I don't need to have a job working for someone else anymore. 
I can now live my life and work and do the things that I want to do. And the great thing is, is we're seeing this shift where a lot of people who have worked towards and have gotten to financial independence are now leaving those high stress jobs and they're doing the jobs that they're passionate about. They're still bringing in money to live off of, but they're much more passionate about the work that they actually do. Yeah, that's a beautiful aspect of being more financially independent is that you can then choose your, your career path and uh, become free that way. That, that's my idea of financial independence is be, to be able to choose the way you make a living. Um, but I love, I love that you talked about that. because, And as you were talking again, I was thinking, you're right. People think financial independence means financially wealthy. And I feel like to that point, they, what they're looking for is to not have to think about money to be able to just spend and do what they want and literally never think about it. So I I don't think that you that's a relationship with money. I mean, if you're having right. a relationship with money, you need to interact with it and you need to, you know, be with it and spend time and pay attention to it and all of that. So um, so I don't think that is even any kind of a, a realistic goal. Um, and I think your idea of enjoying paying attention to your money and making that something that isn't um, you know, that you don't resist and that doesn't feel like a, a conflict in your life. Uh, I think that's the most important thing because what you've done is pay close attention to your money. You, you looked at, you know, all the details of what you were spending and everything, and then you took new action with that. And, and you've been able to create more financial independence that way. So yeah, essentially all we really did was just become more conscious with yeah. the life that we wanted to live mm -hmm. relative to the life we were actually living. Mm -hmm. And then also become more conscious of our spending and how it was affecting the type of life that we wanted to live. Yeah. Um, and it really wasn't a whole lot more than that. I think most people who start paying more attention to their money um, can probably figure a lot of this stuff out on their own. Mm -hmm. um, but just most of us are afraid to, to pay too much attention to money, right? Because money is evil. Right. Or I was told I wasn't supposed to talk about money or people who have money are bad, you know? So we have all these negative preconceived notions about money, but yet any room we've ever spoken in front of, we ask people who want to be, a, who wants to be a millionaire, everybody raises their hand, regardless of how evil they think, you know, rich people are or, or how, how bad they think money is. Yeah. It just, it just create, uh, just requires a level of, of, of consciousness. Absolutely. Yeah. Consciousness and, and awareness is really everything. And, and you're right. People are afraid to look at it. And then once you start looking at it, you realize it's not nearly as scary as your imagination was, you know, telling you it would be. And so, yeah, it's, a, it's just a good practice. So are there a couple of practices that you can leave people with that uh, I always like to give people a, a tough love money tip, something that they should do, and um, anything from your perspective that you'd like to share? I'll throw one out there. I think I think this is the one that a lot of folks struggle with. Uh, and it's a mindset of what you do with your money when you get it. Um, oftentimes, we see the meme of the person celebrating on Friday when the paycheck comes in, and then what they feel like on Sunday or look like on Sunday when the money's all gone, right? And uh, that is, I think that is the the kind of the quintessential view that a lot of people have when the when that paycheck hits their bank account, they have this they this feeling of freedom, I can do it all right now. And then they do. And then the bills roll in. And when the bills roll in, then all of a sudden, they don't have enough money to cover the bills and they or they do have enough money to cover the bills, but they don't have enough money to cover their, their daily life. So then they switch over to the credit cards. So one of our biggest tips is learn how to what we call send it before you spend it. And that basically means 
you're budgeting based on when your money comes in. When you get that paycheck, when that paycheck comes in, whether it's once a week, twice a month, every other week, make sure that you take the money that you need to and pay those bills. Get the bills out of the way, right? Because then what you're left over with is the fun money. That's the fun part of budgeting is knowing how much money you have to spend on the things that you really want to spend your money on. Oftentimes we forget that we have, uh, uh, that our money is already spoken for. When we go out and we use our credit cards or we sign up for a phone plan or we get a mortgage or a car payment, we have all of these, these already spoken for when it comes to our money. Um, so if you want to help reduce financial stress, Figure out how to send it before you spend it, which is one of the tips that we talk about in our seven-step guide. Mm -hmm. That's great. That's fantastic. And so um, I I love that tip a lot. And I think it's so practical and so helpful. And so um, I I can hear the question in people's minds. Okay, so I've paid my bills. I have this extra. Do I pay off my debt or do I put it in savings? Well, today I would not put it in savings. <laughs> interest, interest rate is abysmal. <laughs> um, but with that, that that's, a, that's a great question. And we get that question a lot because people also on top of their credit card debt and the, the, the desire to have savings, um, you know, they also have student loans to, to pay off and all sorts of other debt to pay off, right? So um, our recommendation is unless you have, you know, first try to save anywhere from 500 to $1,000 to have an, as an emergency nest egg for yourself. Then if you have any money left over or you have money after that, what we suggest is paying off the, mo- the highest interest rate debt that you have. For most people, that is paying off your credit cards. Yeah. Okay. And I, I would also add, um, I think the, that folks need to shift their idea of when to pay off debt because your credit card debt is your is part of your bills, right? So just like you want to keep your electricity on, you also want to pay your credit cards off because you need you may need access to that money at some future point. Group the credit. That's part of our one of the steps that we encourage folks to do is to make a commitment to how much you're going to send every single month. Stick to that specific dollar amount, right? At at least that dollar amount. And then you move that into your bills pile. Right. Because then you are focused on paying your bills and your credit card statement is one of those bills. Right. Okay. Yeah. There's so many more questions I could ask because that brings (laughs) up a whole other topic of how much of your credit card do you pay. Um, But um, let's tell people you you do have your weekly podcast, Queer Money Podcast. Mm -hmm. That uh, And do you talk about these kinds of things? Do you talk about everything? What what do you talk about on that show? (laughs) We talk about everything on the Queer Money Podcast. Anything from, you know, how to how to have an affordable um, spa day to how how to invest your money in your 401k. we cover everything from an LGBTQ or a rainbow perspective. Wonderful. <laughs> okay, fantastic. And how else can people find you? Sure. We're Debt Free Guys at DebtFreeGuys.com and Debt Free Guys at, on pretty much every social media platform there is, including TikTok. We just started that, but ah. don't go there because it's scary. Very fun. <laughs> um, and then we also have the Queer Money Podcast, which you can listen to on any podcast or any platform you listen to podcasts on, but on all social media platforms, we're Queer Money Pod. Okay, 
great. Well, thank you both so much. Um, you know, you're terrific and people can learn a tremendous amount. I love your mission and I really appreciate you coming on today and sharing some of your, your knowledge. I would recommend everybody subscribe to Queer Money Podcast because I know there's a lot of additional great information. And just like you were saying, people need to do this regularly pay attention to their money keep learning about what they can do get inspired yeah. by people like you to take action and, and you uh, as well <laughs> and, yeah and you will become more financially independent and awesome. uh, thank you so much for the opportunity yes, we appreciate you. it it's been great yeah thank you okay take care and uh listeners thank you for being here i'm so happy when you come and listen to the show you can find it on the limit free life youtube channel you can also find it um, all over wherever podcasts are, are listened to on any platform and please subscribe to the show. We're here every Monday streaming live on ubngo.com at seven o'clock and love to hear from you. If you have any particular topics of interest, get in touch with me, Michelle2Ls at limitfreelife.com and uh, you can go to limitfreelife.com for additional um free giveaways on career change, a little bit on money boundaries and how to break through some of those, and also uh, a new productivity guide for those of you who want to make amazing use of your time. So go uh, check those out, and we look forward to seeing you on the Money and You show. I think for the Tough Love Money tip, uh, I would I would <laughs> advise you to use one of these tips from the Debt Free Guys. Great advice and great tips. I I love the last thing that David was just talking about and um, where you uh, pay your bills right away when you get paid and, and include your credit card payment as part of your bills. Okay, so thank you so much for being here. Look forward to seeing you next week on The Money and You Show. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.